name of God, amen. Please be seated, everyone. Good afternoon. So wonderful to be with you. Um, for those I've not had a chance to meet and greet personally, my name is Mary Ann Buddy. I have the tremendous honor of serving as bishop of this diocese of the Episcopal Church, the Diocese of Washington, which includes Charles County and all the churches here and St. Paul's. And whenever there is a moment like this, I get to come, which is so wonderful. And as I was saying to the clergy as we were gathering, the, the clergy who are here to support St. Paul's and Maria in this day, those of us who come from other places to celebrate with you are like uh, your attendants. We are here to witness this great um, public celebration of a new day of ministry. Um, I, I was wondering, there must be friends and family members from, of Maria's here as well. If you could just raise your hands. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. And those traveling from out of state, we're, we're just honored. And it, just so that St. Paul's can see who from the wider community of Episcopal churches is here today, just so that you know who we are. And we, oh, come on, raise your hands. You're supportive, right? <laughs> we are here as a, in support and in great joy. Um, and, and, and also of, um, of, of well, I, I want to say congratulations, that's not quite the right word when you, when you see something that is just so, um, so overwhelmingly joyful, which is how we have all felt, um, your friends and, and community around the diocese as we've watched St. Paul's go through your very sincere and thorough process of discernment and search and Maria, you yourself, as you were discerning ministry, and then, then you finding each other. It, it, it's just wonderful, wonderful to see. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about two things today um, in the context of this great, of this great service. Um, one has to do with our call as uh, followers of Jesus. And uh, a friend of mine, actually the person who mentored me most, um, intentionally when I was a young adult, said something to me that I've never forgotten, and it's, it's been with me all week. And he said, you know, Marianne, the most important decision in your life is not whether or not you choose to believe certain things about Jesus. The most important decision you'll make in your life is whether or not you choose to follow him. I was young enough when he said that to me. I wasn't quite sure what he meant, but you know when you just know something's important and you, you just need to chew on it for a while? I've been living with that my whole life. And, but I think what he meant was you can believe things about Jesus and you can believe all the right things about Jesus, but it won't necessarily change you. you know? It doesn't necessarily make you a more loving person, a more forgiving person. Uh, believing things about Jesus doesn't make you, um, move you to be more generous in reaching out to those who might need a kind word or a, um, a gift of resource. It won't help you do something brave when bravery is called upon. But when you decide to follow him, everything changes. <clears throat> Now, following him does presuppose knowing him and knowing enough about him to even hear the call, 
Which is why, if there are any children in church, it's why we adults um, have Sunday school classes, right? Um, why we want to teach about Jesus to our children and why we read from the Gospels every Sunday when we gather in church, we read from the accounts of his life, we gather in groups or we in our own lives, we read the written accounts about him, we hear people talk about him because it's important to know something about this person before you can decide if you're going to follow him or what that even might mean. So it's, you know, if you count yourself as a Christian, it's good to have a kind of working story in your head about who this guy is, right? So just think about that for a moment. What do you know about him? What do you know about Jesus? Let me tell you a couple things I know about him. Um, he was born um, at around 4 BC in the land of Palestine during the reign of Herod the Great. Right? Stories about his birth are fantastic. right? But he was born, and he grew up in a town of Nazareth. Um, he didn't emerge as a public figure until somewhere in his early 30s. And he grew up out of a movement that was started by another man whose name was John, John the Baptizer. And for three years, he taught, and he healed people. And he went from village to village, mostly around his hometown region in northern Palestine, around Lake Galilee. But at one point, he made the fateful decision to take his ministry, his teaching, and his little band of followers from that part of the country down to Jerusalem. And he um, decided to challenge the religious and political authorities of his day, which, as you might imagine, didn't sit very well with them. And, um, he was particularly outspoken against the religious authorities, and they ostracized him. And he got under the nerves of the Roman authorities, too. And they decided that he was a nuisance, and they crucified him, which was a form of death they reserved, these Romans reserved, for two classes of people, insurrectionists and escaped slaves. Jesus um, was a really spiritually connected person. He had a relationship with God that was intimate and personal and vibrant. And he wanted nothing more than for everybody he met, and particularly those who were marginalized by their communities, to know that they could have as living and as true and as real a relationship with God as he did. And so he taught people things, and that's what he wanted them to know. And he was a really good teacher. I mean, you, you know some of his teachings, right? Um, he said, uh, it is better to give than to receive. He said, blessed are the poor. He said, um, if, if, if a man asks you for his shirt, give him your coat as well, right? He said, if someone asks you to forgive them, you don't forgive only seven times. You, get, you forgive 70 times seven, right? Which is sort of like saying if you're still counting by then, you've missed the point, right? <laughs> right? Sort of the point of that. 
Um, mostly he told stories, right? He told stories about lost coins and lost sheep, um, about sinners and Pharisees at prayer, right? He told the story about the Good Samaritan, which for today would be us telling a, good, a story about a good terrorist, right? Someone so beyond the pale of goodness who did the neighborly thing. He told the story of the man with two sons. Right? He wanted people to... To, he, he rarely told people what to think. He wanted to show them a new way of seeing. And if, he was convinced that if they saw something new in a new way, their hearts would be changed and they would change. Um, he healed people. You know, all those fantastic stories about him healing the sick, the blind, um, those with hard hearts. He, um, there are miracle stories about him, right? The loaves and the bread turned into a, a feast to feed a multitude, walking on water. Now, he was, a, he was a pretty amazing guy. Right? And you could imagine that some of the stories over time got a bit, you know, he just got bigger and bigger. But the reason they did was because people in his presence kept on looking at him, and their estimation of him just kept getting bigger and bigger, right? To the point they started saying to themselves, you know, if God were to walk around in human form, this is what he looked like. This is what he would look like. And when Jesus died, something happened. We call it resurrection, right? Which is a mystery. But what resurrection tries to contain is this truth that when he died, which really should have been the end of the story, right? When he died, it wasn't over. In fact, it was just beginning in a whole new way. And that little band of followers who were terrified by everything suddenly were given courage and confidence and a sense of his presence with them. And that presence they shared with others who caught it as well, even though they may have never met him. And from that time until ours, the church, the followers of Jesus, have carried on this incredible message that we just don't read things about this man. He is with us. He is in our hearts. He's in our lives when we gather together. He's present with us. He gives us power. He gives us courage. When he calls our name, we hear him, and it's a word of love, and it's also those two very scary words, follow me. Now, Marie and I were just chatting um, just before we started the service, and she said, oh, forgive me, I'm going to say what you said. She said, I wasn't really nervous at all at my ordination, but this is really... This is really emotional for me, right? <coughs> but that's what it feels like when you follow Jesus, right? And that's not just for people who wear stoles around our necks. Whenever we're called to follow Jesus, one of the feelings you get is, oh my. It's like the difference between being, you know, reading about love and falling in love, 
or studying how to fly out of an airplane with a parachute and actually being up there and doing it. Right? The following Jesus part is like that. It's like, okay, okay, Lord, here we go. And it's not always in super big religious terms that this happens. Sometimes, most times, it happens in the context of your daily lives or of your work or a situation that's changing and you're wondering what to do or where to go and the words come in some form or another, follow me, and you go. And you do the thing that you never thought you could do. You forgive the person you never thought you could forgive. You extend a hand in love when you feel like pulling it back in anger. You make the circle wider when you really want to close in, right? You do these things that are beyond your ability in the moment because he's asking you to, and he's going there with you. Now, St. Paul's, Maria, you are now coming together in a, well, you've been together for some time, but we're making it official now. Um, we, you are at the precipice or the, or the threshold of a time of intentional ministry in his name in this place. And I want to impress upon you how important your faithfulness to him in your own individual lives is, how important your coming together with anticipation that he will actually be present with you in your discerning and in your praying as he has in the past, so that the, the future of this ministry isn't all up to you, no matter how brilliant and creative and hardworking you are. It's not all up to you. It's up to him and our faithfulness to him. And there will be some parts of your life that will call you deeper here, going deeper in your life here, your relationships, your faith, your raising of your children, your tending to the fabric of this extraordinary gathering place you call your church home. Other times, and I think actually maybe in the coming years a little more on this side than you, than you may have done in the past, more tending to what's going on around you. And I don't say that to you in particular. That's true for all of us as Episcopalian Christians now. We have so much to learn about what God is up to around us because the terrain around us is changing so quickly, right? How, those of you who have been in Charles County for a while, how much is Charles County changing, right? It is changing so fast. And the people who are coming, right? We have some things to learn. Not about what can we do to get these people to come to our church. Might be nice, and, and that might be a byproduct. But the, the first question is the, what we heard Jesus say in the gospel today, which is, go on out there. Spend some time out there. Walk around two by two. See what you see. See which houses welcome you. And, and bring, bring your openness to see where I am in those places. So I'd like to say, Maria, would you mind just standing up? 
Maria, I commend to you this extraordinary congregation, and I give thanks to God that you have been called to this place. And St. Paul's, I commend to you this extraordinary priest who has accepted your invitation to serve. Um, I ask all of you to do two things, particularly in these first years. And one is to tend very faithfully, individually and as a community, to the Word of God, to go deep in your study of the Word of God, because that is one of the places most consistently that Jesus speaks to us. So do that among yourselves. Second, commit some portion of your energy to what is outside of you in ways that are not necessarily service-oriented, although that's very important, but more exploration of your mission terrain. Some, some rectors I know actually hold um, informal office hours at their local coffee shop. I'm not kidding, you know? It's not a bad idea. Others, other churches take walking expeditions around neighborhoods they thought they knew just to see it and to see the people. I was down in Leonardtown um, last night and, and this morning, and um, there's this new bar in Leonardtown. <laughs> I was um, having dinner at a very nice restaurant uh, around the corner with the rector, and she went home, and I was going to my hotel, and there's this bar. And I walk in, and it's packed as with as many people or more as you, um, all under 30. It's 9.30 at night. There was laughter, and, and I thought, well, I want to come back. <laughs> Wouldn't you? So let's go, let's go exploring. Let's hear, hear Jesus' words, two by two, four by four. Let's go learn where we are. Let's see where we are, where we've been all our lives for the first time and ask Jesus to guide us and to teach us and to help us to love. One of the characteristics, this is my last point, one of the characteristics of a growing, vibrant church is this, that that church knows how to pastor its community. It's not quite the same thing as serving its community, although they're related. Service implies a distance and an exchange where I'm in control and I'm giving you something that I think you need. Pastoring is a relational energy, right? St. Paul's Piney and Maria help us pastor the part of the kingdom of God where you dwell. We're right here with you, and we want to partner alongside you and learn as we all, as we all go. Um, I believe the church's days, the Episcopal church's days, best, the best days are ahead of us. And we are the ones on our watch that God is asking and calling us to follow and to go. And I pray you... 
Uh, your presence here and your smiles and expectation indicate that your hearts are, are answering with an eager and a resounding yes. <laughs>